When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, y'all, welcome to the Georgia Show. It is Georgia-South Carolina game week. We got a few people already in here watching. Jake Rowe, it's been a busy week for you, busy day. Uh, Let's just start off with the big news of the day that has nothing to do with this team on the field right now. Maybe a few players will be around. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to do that math. But what's the latest on this uh, Georgia-Oklahoma reschedule and canceling of the uh, current agreement? the the inevitable i guess has happened i mean when you when when oklahoma was was announced as they were going to come into the league we all everybody you know knew this was going to happen it was common sense because there was no way that that both ends of this obligation could get you know could get um fulfilled uh you know there's no way that that oklahoma could make that return trip to georgia why would georgia go out to oklahoma and play one half of a of a home and home and then you know the second half get canceled because Oklahoma joins the league so I mean that that's the inevitable Georgia adds ball state I've seen some people kind of lamenting uh the home schedule next year this doesn't impact the home schedule next year it gives Georgia an extra home game uh but the home schedule was what it was last year it's going to be that way every other year until somebody in the SEC East uh, steps up because you know every other year Georgia's going to play Tennessee and Auburn on the road and they're going to play Tennessee and you know they're going to play Tennessee and Auburn on the road and they're going to play Kentucky and Missouri at home and uh, those aren't the 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 fun marquee games. Um, you know I guess if you could ever get the the cocktail party you know into a home and home maybe that would kind of change some things. But uh, this this whole Oklahoma thing was going to happen one way or the other and uh, you know. From what I understand, Georgia's had uh, Bowling Green lined up for a little while now. So when you look at uh, Oklahoma being part of that, I spoke with Gary Stoken a few weeks ago leading up to the Oregon game. We were talking about how that kink in the schedule could potentially give some wiggle room to some of these teams that might want to take advantage of a Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That appears that's totally off the table. What about Texas? I mean, do we expect something similar to come – uh, from the SEC, from the league, with the Longhorns. Texas is going to be in the league by the time that series gets here. So, you know, that's just – that is what it is. You know, I mean, that's – I doubt that Georgia and Texas are going to play a non-conference conference game. I mean, I know they've done that in the ACC here a few times lately, but, you know, Texas is going to be in the SEC by the time that uh, that home-and-home home comes into play. It's why I think Georgia's going to – I mean, the, the SEC is going to move to a nine-game conference schedule because, um, you know, you do have some matchups that are affected there. I think the nine-game conference schedule makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and Georgia's got Florida State, Louisville, uh, UCLA, um, Clemson five times over the next, I don't know, however many years, 11 years. So there's a, there's a lot of games to still be excited about. And uh, I, I know I'm, I'm pretty fired up about them. And that return trip to the Rose Bowl there, of course, Georgia and Oklahoma uh, got to play in it. And dogs looking at UCLA as well. Uh, so some exciting stuff. Just one of those formalities. I think there is a 
jaded part of the fan base that wondered, though. You know, they, they saw how the handling of the Auburn situation went yeah. with Georgia a few years ago, where Georgia gets back to back road games at Auburn. Auburn gets to move its schedule around to play Georgia so they don't have to play uh, Georgia and Bama back to back. So I think there was a little bit of that Georgia fan base wondering, man, are we going to get stuck with a you know tough end of this deal? And I think that at least is a relief for any of that sentiment that Georgia's just kind of getting to hit the reset button on Georgia, Oklahoma. Uh, the other big story this week, Jake, is of course A.D. Mitchell's injury. And we started off Saturday with Kirby talking about you know being hopeful that A.D. could go against South Carolina, saying that Ron Corson felt optimistic as well early on in the week. And now uh, I, I think you and Palmer were both on the money with your concerns that, hey, we didn't see AD come back out after his uh, trip to the locker room onto the sidelines. So that did kind of play out the way you guys thought it might. What are we also learning about what the timetable could potentially be for AD to come back? Hold on, I can't hear you, man. Got unplugged, and then I uh, had some trouble coming back. <laughs> I wish I knew. I really do. Like it, it's, uh, I haven't heard anything to suggest that this is going to be more than like a two, three, maybe four week type deal. That this is a typical kind of ankle sprain type deal. Uh, but um, I, I have not felt good about him playing all week, and I definitely don't think he's going to play. Um, you know, reported this morning. We did some insider stuff over at Dogs Twenty uh, Dogs uh, HQ. Man, old habits. Uh, Dogs HQ, and uh, <clears throat> I talked about AD's injury, and I talked to some people who just don't expect him to play. I don't expect him to play. Kirby Smart then you know labels him doubtful, as I believe you mentioned there. I just uh, you know it's, he's not going to play this week, uh, barring some kind of you know crazy you know comeback. Uh, and uh, I think he's probably not going to play next week because I don't think they'll need him next week. I would kind of circle uh, Missouri as a potential return, but then again, I mean, I don't know, man. Missouri may be the worst team in the league. Um, so, you know, Georgia's got some time. Georgia's got some time to try and get him back. Maybe he's back for Auburn. Who knows? But uh, I, I don't see him back in the next couple of weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, you see these guys that I put up on the screen here. I mean, if there's anyone that can spell uh, Mitchell's injury time, it's at least these two guys plus Jackson Meeks. Coming off of the game, we spoke pretty fresh off of Georgia's win over Samford earlier on in the week, um, Sunday night. But since that game has passed and since we've really moved on to South Carolina, who do you really expect to see step up in A.D. Mitchell's absence? It's going to be a by-committee thing. You know, the one guy, though, Wes, that, I'm, that I've been waiting to have a breakout game since he arrived at Georgia is Marcus Rosenby Jackson. You know, he had that catch against Florida, uh, that 32-yard catch, I think it was, broke his ankle on the – or dislocated his ankle on the play, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen. It was awful. Um yeah, it was terrible, terrible. And you knew something was up. Like you saw the Georgia – whoever the Georgia player was right there in the vicinity, the way they reacted when that Just happened. Just immediately like, waving oh, them over God. at the trainers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, that's a guy that I, – I mean, I think he's got the potential. And he's done a couple of two or three good things for Georgia this year. 
already. Like he just did a couple games. Can he, you know, can he be a five, six catch for 85 to 100 yards type guy? I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of opportunity he's going to get uh, to do that. I mean, obviously, you got Dylan Bell, Denylon Morissette. Uh, you know, what, what happens with Dominic Blaylock, right? Because, you know, Kiaris Jackson's played a lot of football. He can play those outside receiver positions. You know, does Kiaris Jackson step outside and Dominic Blaylock kind of step in? I, I don't know. But, but I, I, the guy that I'm really interested to see if he seizes the opportunity is uh, Marcus Rosemey Jackson. What kind of game does he play? I mean, if there's a comparison uh, to other Georgia receivers in the past, is, is there a, a foil? Is there someone that Marcus reminds you of? You know, I would – here's the thing. He plays like I thought Muhammad Massaqua would. And what I mean by that is I thought Massaqua would be kind of a possession guy. We learned later on that the, the Duke could really run. Uh, he had some legit speed. Um I don't know, man. It's tough. It's there's there's uh, I don't know. It's almost like a mix of of like a George Pickens and a Muhammad Massaquas body poor man type deal. I don't really know. It's tough to make a comparison with him because I don't think he does anything poorly, but I don't think he does anything particularly you know outstanding either. He just does a lot of things pretty well, and uh, you know I, I I don't think last year he ever really got healthy. You no, know, he's he didn't off seem like injury. he was ready to come back. It was he was dinged. Well, it was that, and a lot of times Wes and you know this, you played ball. Um, you'll come back from one injury, whether it's major or not, and then while you're dealing with that, something else crops up, and then something else crops up. It's almost. Well, I mean, like, it really has nothing to do with playing ball. It's just being a dad. I mean, I yeah, just dropped an electric can opener on my foot a couple weeks ago, and. You know, you injure a couple toes, then all of a sudden your ankle starts to hurt because you're walking on it different, and then yeah. then now your now your knees injured. So and then your calf, then your calf seizes up and feels like a volleyball <laughs> that, too much air in it. It's yeah. that domino effect that all dads yeah. can relate with D1 athletes. It's the same thing. So yeah. uh, I totally get that. No, I, I asked that though because you know you've seen teams like Bama. You know, you look at Jamison Williams and Rugs and these these like really thin guys that are very yep. fast but maybe not the biggest possession guys the tallest guys but Georgia's still kind of stuck with that evaluation at least through you know the the regime before BMAC came through we'll see if the recruitment sticks with that it's all a continuum as Kirby Smart likes to say with the kind of guys they want to bring in but Georgia still likes to get those Pickens type of bodies the AD Mitchell I mean he's put some meat on the bone he's kind of starting to look like Pickens, Jackson Meeks is the same kind of guy. So I just wonder what it is about Georgia's offense or if that's just the way it's kind of shaken out. On the flip side, Dylan Bell is kind of one of those smaller, speedier, maybe undersized guys. Well, I mean, I think Bell's got some thickness to him. Obviously, he's not necessarily a, a 6'3", 6'4", guy, but he's his kind of uh, – he's got a little bit of a Debo Samuel type look to him in terms of how he's put together. But, Wes, one of the things <clears> that I don't want to get too far off on a rabbit trail here, but one of the reasons Georgia likes those receivers is because you want to be able to stretch teams horizontally and make them def you know, defend all 53 yards or 52 yards or however wide the football field is. I think Alabama, and, and this is no slide at Alabama at all. Like, I mean, good on them for the way they got those receivers to buy in. But I believe there was a little bit – of just a tiny bit of luck 
in the way they were able to go out and get Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devontae Devontae Smith. Smith, all I of leave those out guys. the Heisman Trophy winner. And, of and they weren't big guys, like you mentioned. They're not the big guys that can just kind of engulf or, or match up on those corners, but they were still great blockers because they bought in and they loved the toughness. I had a clip of Lab McConkey this past week, all right, against Sanford. He gets beat on a block, but he stays with it and kind of still gets in there and, and you know, makes the block from the other side after getting beat up. Gets the guy, and and that that kind of effort and want to is what is the number one prerequisite to being able to block on the edge and create that horizontal um, stress on a defense. And I think Alabama got the best of both worlds. They were able to get the quickness and the speed of the smaller guys, of the more slender guys, while also getting guys who just – would put their face into the fan and block people. And that was the, that was the big edge, but that's why Georgia recruits those big bodies out there is because, you know, it gives them the ability to be versatile in the passing game and, and throw the ball eight yards and gain 70. You uh, made a comment earlier on this week about Georgia's ability on defense to get after Spencer Rattler. And that was one of the things you really highlighted. And regardless of the fact that, you know, Rattler might not get sacked a ton by this Georgia defense. Kirby seemed to think that uh, playing against Bo Nix might help the defense somewhat. But what do you think Georgia's defense, if, if they want to come out with the win, what, what kind of stat line are you looking at, whether it's pressures, hurries, you know, maybe a sack in there or, or turnovers? What are they really going to have to do to neutralize Rattler in the game? I think it's a third down thing. I really do. I think if they can hold, I think if they can hold uh, South Carolina, South Carolina is going to need to go 50, 60% on third down to win this game. I think if Georgia can hold them around 25%, maybe 30%, then they can really blow them out. And, and that's just kind of the way I look at it. Uh, as far as a pressure thing goes, um, Georgia needs to get to the quarterback a few times. If nothing else than just per perception and recruiting, um, you know, you got Michael Williams should have had two sacks last week, only had one. That's the only sack Georgia's got this year. And if you want to recruit Quay Rousseau and, and, you know, some of those other stud defensive line, uh, you know, edge rushers, you know, uh, Sam and Pimba and, and those guys, you've got to do a better job of, of getting to the quarterback and kind of creating some numbers to, to sell to. And, uh, you know, like Sam Pittman said earlier this week when he was talking about that number 10 ranking, God, that was such a good comment. About how he was trying everything to he says he's the guy's internet gold i swear he's internet gold and he's 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 also yoda he's also <laughs> like you know, he's redneck yoda a little bit you know he's like redneck he yoda it, and he says Love it that. in a simple way and it makes all the sense and it's so wise there's so much wisdom in what he says and it and, it, and he puts it in a way that i can understand i mean no wonder these he has these great offensive linemen those big dumb jokers just understand everything he says he speaks their language uh, I was speaking with uh, Drew Butler and Jake Fromm today, had them on for our uh, Wednesday conversation, and we were talking about Pittman in the offense that Georgia ran when he was the O-line coach, obviously, when Fromm was there. And we were talking about how now Munkin and Kirby just kind of let the offense put their feet on the uh, opposing team's neck at the end of the game. And I thought that was, you know, I don't know if it was indicative of the players they had at the time or the way that they negotiated or navigated games. But when I spoke with Fromm about it, I'm going to pull up the clip here. I asked him, 
you know, what's the difference between what Georgia's doing on offense now uh, and what they were doing back then when they were running that Sam Pittman just blow you up and bully you all game long? And here's what Jake had to say. I've been thoroughly impressed. I think they're doing a great job on offense. Moving people around, the pieces, uh, some of the schemes they're doing. Uh, it looks really good, especially on TV. Uh, obviously, the skill set and the, the personnel they have in those places are some really good pieces. But uh, big testament to Coach Munkin and what he's doing, moving people around. And I, I think Coach Smart's taking you know, a little bit of restriction off uh, you know, as him being a defensive you know, coordinator, head coach, he's just letting the, the offensive side just, just go to work, let him play. And I see a, a more aggressive attitude later in games um, mm. continuing through. Hey, we're up 30. doesn't matter. We're still running our offense. We're going through, going through plays that we had put in that week, and let, let's go run our offense. Is that different from what a, a late-game situation would have been like when you were playing? Maybe, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd say a little bit. You know, when we got up, I would say early in my career, we got up, we would keep it pretty, pretty base simple. We, you know, we'd get up by thirty points, we'd just run our simple RPO and call it a day and head to the house. Whereas I'll put now, that on. Well, I'll put that on Pittman though. I don't put that as much on Kirby. Pittman's <laughs> probably in Kirby's ear. Hey, hey man, yeah. we gotta, we gotta maul him. We gotta bully yeah. him. So what do you think about what Fromm had to say there? I mean, obviously the fans are clamoring for that and have been since Kirby took over with more of the conservative-minded offense, but Jake's actually seeing it too, and he was inside those huddles confirming what all the fans thought. They took the foot off the gas. Well, um, <clears throat> Wes, I think it just goes back to the reason Georgia's throwing it more in general. That's what they are better at right now when – you know, no, no offense to Jake. I, I was a big defender of him while he was at Georgia. I think he did a great job at Georgia. Um, you know, I thought he had some incredible moments. And, uh, you know, I think he came along at a great time. But when he was at Georgia, he Georgia was a better offense when he was handing the football off or he was flipping it out there on a toss sweep than, it, than they were whenever they were just drop back passing. And I think that this Georgia team, they – they have better chance to they have a better chance to move the football, get first downs, and put the game away if they put the ball in the air. And that's just what it comes down to. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And you know, I, I see what he's saying, and and he's right. But here's my thing about it: in what world, it, at what point did we get to? You're only being aggressive if you're throwing the football like that. That that to me is listen. When you are handing a ball to the Sony Michelle or DeAndre Swift or Nick Chubb, you're being pretty damn aggressive. Okay. You're being really aggressive. Yeah, it's me. So, yeah. It's just borderline. Yeah, you, yeah you're you're demoralizing people. Like I mean, I, I was watching it, uh I can't remember what game I was watching the other day. It just kind of flipped across and I, I was watching different parts of it and got down to the end. I was like, I can't remember how this ended. I'll Nick Chubb had a touchdown like early in the fourth quarter, and I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like that's like having a bloody nose and then you know getting a tooth knocked out. How about the Kentucky game when Swift at Kentucky was just able to run for the entire game against yeah. those guys? Busted like 180 something yards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just mean, different. yeah, just just brutal, just absolutely brutal. And uh, Kirby that, said as much this week. I mean, <clears throat> he said when we when our running backs are the best, we're going to highlight the running backs. When the receivers are the best, we're going to highlight them. And right now, it just so happens that your quarterback's playing pretty good. 
and you have about 15 different receivers that can catch a pass in any given game. And Georgia fans thought he was FOS whenever he was saying three, four years ago, he was asking about Nick Saban. Hey, Kirby, what do you think's behind Nick Saban's, you know, change in philosophy? He's got really good – he's got great quarterback play and he's got great receivers at his disposal, so they're throwing the ball. And, you know, Georgia isn't at that level, at quarterback or receiver, but they're they're really good at what they're doing. They're better at tight end than Alabama has been. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really good at throwing the football. They've got a really good chemistry going on that side – in that part of the game, and – they're playing to that strength, and he's Kirby's kind of proven that you know. Listen, this whole Kirby ball thing was was a little bit BS. All right, we're gonna take a couple hot takes right now from Michael Dudley in the comments. Stequavius, that's Stetson Bennett for the uninitiated. Passing yards, four hundred and fifty, four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. I don't know if that's within a span of like two weeks or if it's just at Columbia. <laughs> Uh, Michael, that's pretty bold, my man. And he also says Georgia defense allows less than 60 rushing yards. I could see that one happening. Three sacks. I'll take the under on that. Two picks. I could see two picks. Yeah. Spencer Rattler will throw it to the other team. Uh, let's hear about Spencer Rattler from uh, Gamecock Central's Wes Mitchell. Palmer Tom's had him on in a quick conversation today. The full thing will air tomorrow. And then we'll bring Palmer in on the other side of this clip. I think for Rattler, it's been kind of, um, you know, some ups, some downs. He's been kind of filling his way into this offense. It's a much different offensive approach, much different scheme than what he was used to at Oklahoma. But um, there have also been moments where you just see the immense upside, the ability to make plays. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any way South Carolina scores 30 points at Arkansas um, really or, or made even some of the big plays they did against Georgia State if not for just Rattler's natural ability taking over. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, fellas, Palmer, Palmer, welcome in. You just got back from another night of riveting Georgia press conference availabilities. Who do we hear from tonight? Brock Bowers and Broderick Jones. We were supposed to hear from Darnell, but they made the last minute switch to the other star tight end in Brock. Um, certainly excited to hear from those two. Just the second, I believe it's just the second time we've heard from Brock. It is. Uh, since he's been at Georgia. Um, lose track of it, all these all these interviews and press conferences and such. Um, they kind of blend together, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they really do. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all excited. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, the road atmosphere and the environment that, that Williams Bryce Stadium will have on Saturday. Uh, no guys will feel that more than the offense. Um, you know, a lot of guys are, a lot of defensive players are being asked about it. But you know, in reality, it's probably going to be pretty quiet when when they're on the field, um, which is a nice switch up for them. Um, but you know, for the offense, it, it's this is going to be the toughest 
environment that they've been into to this point. And in, uh, there's a chance that it's the toughest environment they go into all season. I mean, I, I think Kroger Field at the end of the year, Lexington has a chance to be that way. Obviously, the Cowbells at, in, at Mississippi State can, can get pretty loud. Um, but this one is certainly going to be a challenge for these guys. Um, but as, as we've mentioned several times before, very veteran group. A lot of these guys have been in tough environments before. A lot of them played at Auburn. A lot of them played at Tennessee. Um, Roderick, who we talked to tonight, said that Tennessee was the loudest stadium he's been into. Um, that was his second career start. Um, got his first career action at Auburn, uh, or, or extensive action, that is, at Auburn. Um, so he's been in environments like this. Stetson has obviously been in, in environments like this. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how they'll respond. Uh, Jake, I know you've been to Columbia for a game. We talked about the temperature few days ago but as far as the environment of the game goes palmer have you been there have you seen what that i have not this this will this will be my first game uh road trip to columbia i've been there a little give them a little tour give them a little preview of what are you gonna expect in there okay they're gonna bring out they're gonna bring out this uh they got a chicken robo chicken as as the as my dude from Young Guns, if you've never seen Young Guns, good movie. They're gonna bring out a big old chicken, okay? <laughs> and he's gonna be in a cage, and those folks are gonna go bat <laughs> for that, okay? They're gonna go crazy. They're gonna start beating on the seat backs, and it's gonna sound like the the Mongolian army is coming. Uh, I mean, just the whole Ming Dynasty. Sometimes they'll put. Sir Big Spur, they almost changed his name to the Should general. Should have changed his name. Almost changed his name to the general. Yeah. Not the insurance the guy. General. Not the little <laughs> shack sidekick <laughs> that you see when you're watching like great Jerry Springer or whatever. Online. Marco uh, Polio <laughs> and, and the cock commander were, were two other options, I remember. Of course, yes. Everyone remembers that one, Palmer. Thank you. <laughs> um, sometimes they'll put them on a tank, like a little tank, and the big human mascot will ride around so they they do all kinds of crazy stuff it's yes and and listen palmer the the number one thing and and if you've ever watched a south carolina game on tv where especially when the one that they've won or done well in you've heard this that that rooster of some sort from some time i'd love to know when it was recorded is going to let out a (laughs) blood curdling something or another Every single time something. Jay, give us give us your best rooster call. No, 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 <laughs> no way. I got uh, kids trying to sleep upstairs. Yeah, you got to keep the little ones asleep. It does sound like they just put that rooster in a very high quality studio quality like microphone and then castrated room and then just yeah and then just castrated. Let it rip. Um, all that aside, huge key to this game is not letting them build confidence early. Palmer, I mean, hearing from the guys this week, Jake, step in as well. With that lack of experience in there, how are they getting ready for this? Have you walked by the House of Pain and heard them blaring rooster noises? I mean, what are they doing up there? Yeah, they're definitely dealing with some crowd noise this week. Um, You know, Jamon Dumas-Johnson told us that they'll play it so loud that the defense can't hear themselves. Sandstorm. Um, Sandstorm. Yep. Brock said, uh, Brock Bauer said today that he's not yet tired of hearing Sandstorm, but they've played it every day to before the start of practice. 
Um, those guys have certainly gotten used to this environment. Um, you know, no, I know that they've been dealing with crowd noise and such, uh, you know, not expected to be too hot. Uh, so, you know, that, that's not too big of a concern. Um, but they, they, they're, they're looking forward to it. I, you know, I think Kirby talked about this earlier this week that a lot of these guys embrace uh, going on the road. They embrace the challenge of a road game. Um, you know, I remember, you know, from way back in high school, um, you know, enjoying that, enjoying the road environment and, and being the, you know, team coming in to try and, you know, take away uh, victory from, from all those fans. Um, you know, so to me and, and to them, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's something that they really do enjoy, um, you know, that they, I think that it also helps when you make go on a road trip. You, you're completely locked in. It's it's a work trip. It's a business trip. There's no uh, you know no sort of distractions around like you might have when when you're within your own environment. Um, you know, so to take them out of that to get them out on the road. You know, I think these guys are going to respond well. And um, you know, and, and I know you previewed a little bit of it, but speaking to Wes Mitchell uh, from Gamecock Central, he told me. You know, I asked him, hey what is it that South Carolina is going to have to do if they're going to make this a game, if they're going to win this, um, you know, and he said, they got to get on them early. Um, they, that the, the South Carolina has got to stay with Georgia early in this contest. And, and I completely agree because if you look at, uh, you know, the, the first half of these games, Georgia is outscoring opponents by a wide margin. Um, you know, that, that, that Oregon game was essentially decided after three possessions because, Georgia scored on their first three and forced turnovers uh, to prevent scores from Oregon uh, on two of their three. So, um, you know, that's certainly a, a game that you're not wanting to fall behind um, and, and a team that if you're South Carolina, you're not wanting to fall behind against. We have a comment here from Samuel Burson. Sorry, it's cutting your head off down there, Palmer. Can't arrange it any other way. But Sam says, I really believe this is a big test for the defense. I realize – Georgia has more talented players. The dogs have a lot of young players. It'll be the first SEC road game in a hostile environment. So I think a lot of people have come up through the years watching Georgia play South Carolina, watching the Gamecocks sneak something in there in a game that Georgia didn't expect them to be competitive or really lay the lumber to them. I don't really know how to feel about this game just yet. I, I don't know if Georgia's walking into one of those houses of horror or not right now. And Normally, I kind of have a gauge on that. I just don't know what to expect. What was the toughest road game that Georgia went into last season, guys? If there was anything that could have prepared the guys that have come back for this game, what which one do you think it was? Auburn, maybe? Tennessee. <clears throat> it was definitely Tennessee, especially the way Tennessee kind of did what Palmer said South Carolina needs to do. They Tennessee kind of jumped on Georgia a little bit. Um, I can't remember. Uh, it was seven, seven, then ten. What was it? Seven, seven, then fourteen, seven, and then uh, I can't remember. Then, they went back uh, and forth for for most of the first quarter. I want to say. Yeah, I want to say South Carolina. So, I mean, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee, point, Tennessee was, up, was uh, Tennessee was up at the end of the first quarter, ten to seven. Ten to seven, and okay. then Georgia went on a 17-0 second quarter. Yeah, and then James run. Cook said, "Hey, y'all are some little boys. I'm a man." Yeah, yeah. James Cook got after, it. but yeah, I mean that Tennessee game was rocking. Okay, and I, I said this after that game, and I still believe it now. You watch that thing from way up on high, like we were. 
watching this Tennessee receivers line up outside the numbers and Hendon Hooker sling the ball around. You're like, I'm, there's no way George is going to be able to defend this for four quarters. This is crazy. Um, but they did, and they kind of beat the fire out of Tennessee, and then they rallied from that. That was a veteran team, though. <clears throat> but I do think that – that um, I mean, they've played in tough environments, and, and they should be I'm – I'm not as much worried about the environment – Really not worried about anything for Georgia in this game, honestly. But I'm definitely not as much worried about the environment as I am just kind of Spencer Rattler and and the potential he has to go off. Now, it can look bad. It can go real bad. But it can also go pretty good, too. He's a really talented player. And you never want to catch, you never want to catch, you know, a guy on Zach Calzada day. You know, you don't want to catch, mm. you don't want to catch a guy playing a game like he did against Alabama. You never want to catch a talented quarterback playing that well. That's a yeah. great. That's a great point. Yep. No, and and I completely agree, and that's kind of why, you know, going into this season, uh, you know, I, I kind of put Bo Nix into that same category. Um, you know, the Bo Nix LSU game last year, where you know, it just felt like everything was clicking for him. Um, you know, Georgia playing him the week after that, I think that there was a little bit of concern that about what Bo could do. Um, you know, and for me, coming into this season, I, I really looked at this first three game stretch you know, playing a Bo Nix in that opener, playing a Spencer Rattler in, in the third game, in the SEC opener, in the first road game, um, you know, all those talented players that are around him, the transfers that they've brought in. Um, you know, let's not forget that, that Georgia had trouble defending these uh, South Carolina receivers last year. Josh Van, uh, you know, went for a big, big day. I believe he was one of, I want to say, like five receivers. They went for over 100 yards against Georgia. Um, the others were, you know, in that Tennessee game, Cedric Tillman might have even reached 200 there. Um, you know, Georgia did not, you know, give up a ton of yardage to a, to a bunch of receivers all throughout that year. Josh Van is one that did hit some hit on some big plays and they challenged that uh, very talented Georgia defense. That's kind of what, you know, like you said, Jake, I think that the Spencer Rattler element to this. Um, you know, he's talented enough that where he could challenge a young, inexperienced Georgia defense. And that's something that Kirby's talked about this week, said after this this past game against Samford that, you know, what does he have to learn? He has to learn, uh, you know, what does he have to learn about this defense? He's got to learn how they're going to respond to some adversity. What are they how are they going to react when they give up a touchdown? They haven't done that through two games. Uh, you know, I don't think he's wanting to see that, but he does want to learn. Uh, you know how this. Team I think is. some part of Kirby wants to see it. He's just he's he sick. wants to see a little run of yeah. it. He wants to see a sample. He wants a he wants a snort. He wants a snort <laughs> of it. That's that's about it. But I want to I want to clarify something here real quick. If I had to bet, I'd bet George is going to get the better of Spencer Rattler. But the like they have Bo Yeah, but the possibility exists that that he gives him some trouble. I'm telling you, man, that place is just weird. It's just weird in there. I mean, I was there for the 2012 game. When A. Sanders that wasn't takes a game. Punt. I mean that it wasn't. You know what was crazy about that game, Wes? And I don't, I, I don't know how many people remember it. Georgia had a chance. I've, I've, I've always been a firm believer that you get a chance, even if you run into a buzzsaw, you get a chance. Georgia's mm-hmm. chance was on South Carolina's opening possession. Bakari Rambo goes up with Demir Bird one on one, has a chance to take the football, and Demir Bird takes it from him. Game over. At that point, that was Georgia's chance. Georgia had to come down with that pick to get back in that ball game. It didn't. It was over. Yep. Murray has a couple turnovers, I believe. Mm-hmm. They can't convert on a 
on an early third down, and then right after that, A. Sanders takes the punt back. That's the yeah. kind of thing I'm saying. I don't expect that to happen. And that South Carolina team was a lot better a than this South Carolina team. Better. You want to talk about the talent? They were both top that. five teams. That was a top five Georgia South Carolina matchup. Yeah, it doesn't Clowney. happen anymore. I mean, you had you had Clowney, you had Lattimore, you had uh, Chaz Sutton was on that team. Well, Connor Shaw. I mean, Connor Shaw was he's not the athlete of the same ilk of what you're mentioning there, but he was kryptonite against Georgia. That whole Spurrier. They finally got him. They finally got him in 13, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of game that Georgia doesn't need to find itself in. Not really worried about it. We'll get our official picks up on dogshq.com uh, on Friday. Maybe by then I'll know how I feel about it. You two seem pretty confident. Before that, though, let's get to uh, some wood and let's chop it up. It's Chopping Wood Wednesday. Jake, I'm going to start with you, man. You were telling me before the show – we haven't really addressed the biggest story going into the game, and it's Coach Boone. I've got about 11 chopping woods. I'm going to start with Tillamook ice cream. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, Will Muschamp's money, dude. Think about this. Will Muschamp's about to make his first trip back to South Carolina since being let go as head coach, and Will Muschamp should have been let go as South Carolina's head coach. He just wasn't getting it done, and um, – you know, he's had a couple shots at, you know, pretty decent jobs and hasn't had a ton of success. He's had some, but not a ton. Uh, maybe he's an assistant. I don't know. He's doing a really good job at Georgia. But you know those annoying bank statements you get in the mail? Like, I hate them. I hate them more than anything because I know I can look this up online. And basically, you're just sending me something that I got to throw away. And I've got to be real careful as to how I throw away because it's got some personal crap on it, right? Well, we'll just burn it in the kitchen sink. Yeah, when 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 Will Muschamp looks at that, however, I don't know how much it's got on it, but he got twelve point nine million dollars to not be the head coach at South Carolina, and he's making a lot of money at Georgia now, and now he gets to come back, and he gets to come back as a big reason why Kirby Smart has just heaped the praise on this coaching staff. <clears throat> A coaching staff that includes, all right, the interim head coach when he left, when he was fired, Mike Bobo, his former offensive coordinator and receivers coach, Brian McClendon. So, I mean, and then obviously South Mike Carolina's Bobo. Shane Beamer, who who helped uh, – who, uh, I'm sorry, what was that, Wes? He's got Bobo on the staff. I yeah, mean, Bobo got, was, the, was his offensive coordinator, but so was Brian McClendon. He's got like you know, the not, Avengers of yeah. Georgia alums. So, you know, you look you look at that, and obviously Shane Beamer was a big – he's a part of helping Kirby Smart build what was there, and Kirby Smart was a part of developing uh, Shane Beamer as a coach. So there's so many ties that bind here, so many ties that connect. And um, But the number one, Will Muschamp's money, dude, he's got it, due in large part to getting fired by South Carolina when he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Scott Frost is also in that club, and Scott – doesn't really have to work right now. He's he's got a lot coming his way. I can as lose you. as many ball games as you need me to. Just pay me. Did y'all see Coach O? He was on stage with somebody. I don't even know what Coach O's doing right now, but he's still finding his way onto my social oh, media don't, timeline. Don't, don't, don't. I, I think it was like in Arkansas. He rarely has a shirt on. Something. Yeah, but but the story was uh he was kind of given the details about when LSU's admin decided to fire him. He said, Well, which door you need me to leave out of? Yeah. I'm ready to go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Uh, Palmer, what you chopping wood about? I am chopping wood this week about the travel roster. Um, excited to, you know, I know you showed a preview of my segment there with Wes Mitchell. Uh, I'm going to preview the uh, a piece that I'm putting out tomorrow as well with the projected travel roster. Um, this is always something that I like to do before Georgia's first SEC road game. I uh, think it's a challenge that, uh, you know, Kirby Smart has because he's recruited so many talented players and there's so many guys that are capable of contributing. Uh, picking 70 to make the trip with you uh, is is certain, is no easy task. Um a lot of things that you got to factor in intricacies like, you know, you, you can't forget those specialists. They got to count on your 70. Um, you know, you, do you take an extra kicker? Um, because, you know, in the in the past, you've had a punter that had uh, experience kicking. I don't know that that Brett Thorson did a ton of place kicking back in Australia. Um, you know, has he done a ton of it since he got to Athens? Do they feel comfortable with that? Or do they take Jared Zirkle along with Jack Podlesny? Um, you know, you've got guys that aren't going to be traveling because of injuries. Who gets to go instead of them? How many offensive linemen do you take with how many you're rotating? How many defensive linemen do you take? You know, how much, you know, the, the, the positions that you don't have a ton of depth at, you know, running back, wide receiver, defensive back, how many can you take there? Do you take all four of your quarterbacks? Do you need all four of your quarterbacks? There's just a lot of questions that come up when you're trying to make these decisions a lot of talented players aren't going to get to go to this game. You know, you, th there's a good chance that you don't see uh, some four and five stars making this trip. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, guys that fans were excited about as recruits, uh, you know, that, that when they signed with Georgia, people thought, oh, they're going to be the next big thing. They're going to be major contributors. Well, they may not be making the 70 man travel roster. And so I'm excited to, uh, to, to see, you know, that's something we'll, we'll do before the pre during pregame, before the game, before kickoff, try and get a sense for who made the trip, who didn't get, make the trip. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to put out my projection for that tomorrow. Does Kirby just have a have a staff that sends that up the chain to him? Do you all know how that works or does he go through player by player and decide who goes and who stays? They get together as a staff. <clears throat> they get together as a staff and they discuss each guy, kind of pros and cons. I mean, you would imagine when you sit down Hard with that list, cut scene style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you imagine you sit down, you've probably got 60 guys you feel per I mean, at least 60 guys that you're like, yes, 100 percent yes. And then you're probably looking at about 20 more that you're trying to fit into 10 spots. And I think that's probably, you know, and obviously that's rough. I mean, it may be, you know, 62 and eight. It may be 65 and five. I don't know. But but it's, you know, you know a large portion of that 70-man roster is going to make it. You just got to sit down as a staff and figure out who, what, when, why, and where. Yeah. Well, you definitely don't want to forget somebody. That would probably – that would be the, you know, you, you make this Excel spreadsheet and then you accidentally leave off – uh, like Warren McClendon or something, and and he's confused. Like, why'd you leave me off? It was just a, it was just a glitch in the matrix. Sorry, Warren. Uh, I am chopping wood about my son, Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> the Colts cut him. He had a rough game. It wasn't just the kick that he missed at the end of the Colts game the other day. 
I think he kicked a couple out of bounds on kickoffs, and that's a huge no-no. You have to at least be able to do that. So clearly something not right between the ears with Hot Rod. I think he'll figure it out. Someone actually saw him today practicing his kicks in like a public park. So he is hungry to get back, and I think he will. It's a brutal league, though, just a brutal league. And uh, we touched on that a little bit when I spoke with Drew Butler yesterday, uh, not in our, our, our conversation on YouTube. But, I mean, look, you, you got the Chiefs out here with a safety kicking field goals when Harrison Butker went down. You just never know who's going to be able to go for you. And you have to have a kicker that you can depend on. It's very tough to do it in the league. But I believe that Hot Rod will find a way back on a roster. Indy was very, very kind to the dogs last season, obviously in the national championship game. So maybe it's a good omen if, you know, the Raider or the Ra- the uh, Chargers or the Rams sign Hot Rod. Maybe that's what we're looking for, just to continue that good luck. And, and I think the Chargers have the most Georgia players in the NFL. Yeah, they went from like zero to 100 real quick. Uh, listen, here's what Hot Rod needs, okay? He needs to just block off about five days, all right? He needs to fire up Final Fantasy XI, uh, Magic the Gathering. Build get some, some Legos. Hot, get some get some Legos, get some Hot Pockets, maybe some Kratom, some Delta 8, and just lock in. Just just sesh out Mountain for about Dew. five days. Yeah. Blow off some steam, get some apple juice, maybe, or some fresh, you know, some some fresh juices, and uh, just have a good old fashioned throwdown, and just kind of get out, get football away, dude. He'll he'll come out of that kicking sixty eight yard field goals like nothing. He just needs to blow off some steam. I don't know if that's how Hot Rod's wired, man. He's a little, he's a little tighter. That's what the Kratom and the Delta Eights for, man. <laughs> We don't endorse that here on the Georgia. No, Bowl. no. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying I ain't promoting it now. I ain't promoting it. You're gonna get, you're gonna get Rod in a lot of trouble in some Indianapolis gas station. I'm trying to get him some endorsements. Need. Is what I'm trying to do. Some seedy ones, but some endorsements. Um. Well, on that note, guys, uh, it's always a pleasure. We've done this for almost an hour. We could continue to go for a lot longer than this, but uh, definitely invite y'all to hit subscribe. If you're watching live, if you catch this on a replay, we're trying to build this channel up, baby. It's brand new. I mean, we just started it last week, pretty much. So subscribe. Help us get to a thousand hungry dog fan subscribers. J Martin 24. I guess we just broke the news. Rodrigo. Appreciate you, J Martin. Rodrigo. It's Rodrigon, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, definitely encourage you to. Subscribe to Dogs HQ on YouTube. We still have the $1 for one year deal going on for premium updates from Roe, from Palmer Toms, from Jake Roos, from Chad Simmons on the recruiting trail. Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy Johnson out there too. Apparently a big, big uh, groundswell of momentum around the running back position that Georgia's recruiting in the upcoming class and maybe taken away from the UCLA Bruins. So you can read about that at dogshq.com. Guys, anything else you want to plug, promo, let our viewers, listeners know about before we hit stop on this thing? No, not really. I mean, Palmer Palmer's going to be out front of williams Bryce Stadium tomorrow playing his guitar. And, oh, not tomorrow. 
Saturday singing before the game or bright and early. I'm gonna make sure of it. So go drop trying some to money catch. Go, my, go <laughs> drop to catch Darius Rucker's attention. Yeah, trying to. Yeah, that's exactly what we've been doing. So go drop some. Go uh, drop some money in his uh, guitar case. <laughs> He'd that's it. That's it. that's if I make it through the night, guys. I I'm not feeling too good right now. We ate we ate me and a couple other beat media members ate a hundred wings combined between uh, five of us. A couple couple didn't do. I'm their not fair one of those share. beat members. What yeah, are you What are you thinking, man? <laughs> and they're big wings, guys. So. Um, oh my goodness. Palmer, <laughs> that's twenty four. He can take chances. Twenty three. 23, Jake. Y'all were, were talking about the 2012, 2013 Georgia South Carolina games. I was I wasn't gonna call you I, out. I'm, I'm I was very anti-ageist. I was in middle school when those games were happening. <laughs> yeah. Palmer was eating Palmer was still eating chicken wing contest, but he didn't. I'm getting know angry. Was... I'm getting angry. We need to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all mash that subscribe button. We'll catch you in a few days with some official picks. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.